Welcome to the Do Together podcast, where we talk to incredible people who are in the trenches working to make the world better. These are some of the most determined, creative, and inspirational people we've ever met. You will be inspired, educated, and laugh, sometimes a lot. I'm your host, Judy, with my husband, Peter. Now, it's time for our show. Hey, everybody. We're here today with Greg Manley from Friends of the Riverfront in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hi, Peter. Hi, Judy. I'm really excited to talk to Greg. Hey, Greg. Hi. We've been really excited about this because um, we've been running this challenge on If You, I Will with you guys. And it's the the funnest challenge. And I ran across it, uh, reached out to Greg because they were the answer to a uh, to a question on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR. I said, this sounds so awesome. I reached out to Greg and that's how the relationship started. Welcome to the show, Greg. Well, thanks so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure to work with you guys and uh, increase the efficacy of the Litter League. Well, we want to talk about the Litter League because it's, it's, it's a blast of watching the yeah. challenge go on. But, you know, as we always do here, we'd like to learn a little bit more about Friends of the Riverfront and learn about you personally and how you got involved and a little bit how the evolution started. Sure. Well, so tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Where right. did you come from? Well, my name's Gregory Vincar Manley. I grew up in Oakland, California, and I uh, went to college in New York City, studied experimental theater, and pretty quickly got into amphitheater and uh, original sports. I made up a sport in 2006 called Circle Rules Football. And that's how I got into outdoor programming. Uh, and Circle rules football. That, that needs a big... You can't just yeah, drop we need that an ex- and then explanation. Just, yeah. So in 2006, when I was graduating from NYU's Experimental Theater Wing... Maybe, I, <laughs> I want to know what that is, yeah, too. What does that mean? Well, uh, the Experimental Theater Wing is, like a, is a unique program, I think, among American... Uh, kind of university undergraduate drama programs in that we're rather than studying acting uh, or going to acting school, we're studying theater and how does it work and how, uh, how has it worked in the past? And I drawing on a lot of inspiration from New York city in the sixties, uh, when there were a lot of different ideas about what experimental theater could be and what postmodernism was, uh, they brought a bunch of these great artists together and they formed a studio at New York University and they began teaching what theater could be. I got into that wow. and I had a minor in what's called applied theater is kind of even more uh, experimental, um, you know, as in not in the theater itself. It's how do you apply the techniques and the uh, skills of theater in everyday life or in different industries? So I got into civics and uh, kind of studying the city like an ecosystem. And I started thinking about how could I apply skills of theater in different sectors. And because I was thinking this way in college, I'd always grown up playing sports. And I was supposed to make an original play in my experimental theater wing. And I looked around me and nobody was playing sports. Uh, they were all huh. drama kids. And I thought... <laughs> they don't, they don't mix. Second. Yeah, well, what happened to all my sports friends? So um, I started thinking, well, how can I apply theater to sports? And how can I make a theater that's more like a sport? And then it kind of yeah. dawned on me that, wait a second, sports are theater. They're just... 
Yeah. That's true. They're yeah. just a, a kind of theater that has all mm-hmm. this different language around it and cultural packaging around it, but it's still just make-believe yeah. for a couple hours that an audience <laughs> goes to watch and they watch <laughs> the drama unfold. And it's got the same uh, ingredients as, as theater as we know it. You just get called different names. So I thought at that point, I'm going to make a sport and I'm going to call it theater to my professors, but it's going to be a sport. <laughs> and then I'm going to invite my sports friends to come play the sport, and it's going to be theater also, you know. And so I thought maybe I could get all of my friends to hang oh, out with that. me at the same time if I made a theater-sports hybrid. Uh, and that Hacking was Circle Rules Football, totally. which, which started uh, in 2006, and then it started to grow. Um, so what is that? Tell us a little bit. Circle Rules football. football is a team sport played on a circular field with one goal in the center. <laughs> one team scores through one direction and the other team scores through the other direction. And the most fun part is that you play with one of those big yoga balls, you know, the ones that are in gyms and things like that. The exercise like one of those like that you sit on? Yeah, like the yeah. 55 centimeter big bouncy ball that you sit yeah. you sit ups on. Because <laughs> when I was a kid, they right. were in my parents, you know, my friends' parents' living rooms and and all I wanted to do was kick them really hard. Yeah. I would break yeah. all of their furniture. You know? So so when I got to make up my own sport, I thought I'm going to make a sport where I could kick the heck out of these giant balls and see how far they go. Because nobody's ever let me do that before. So that was the kind of the two original ideas was I want to have a, a game that's played in a circle with a central focal point. Because mm-hmm. in so many drama exercises, that's how you build a kind of group thinking and ensemble spirit is you get everybody in a circle and you have Uh them all look in the center and they're all aware of each other. And then they start doing all these uh, drama games. Um, And I thought that was a cool shape. It's like the Roman Colosseum. Let's play on a circular field. And then we'll have one goal right in the middle. How can a sport work like that? And then the other idea was let's take a big bouncy ball and see how we can make a viable sport out of that. And it took about half of a year to, troubleshoot and iterate and and then we launched it in 2006 and started playing it pretty regularly uh in brooklyn um in the following spring every sunday we'd show up and because it was brooklyn and it was prospect park and there were just all yeah. the kind of creative types around they just found their way to this big bouncy ball and it started to grow from there how did you is, how did sorry. you get teams well, like how many people were there what, what do you think i'm just trying to visualize this well, you go to Circle uh, Rules a, Federation or look it up online. There's lots of videos. We got a whole bunch of press. Back really? In 2008, 9, 10. Uh, every mean, branch of the U.S. military has played Circle Rules what? football. We've hosted <laughs> three World Cups. Uh, what? what? Oh, my what's God. What's the goal like? Is it a big hole in the middle like a The goal hole? is two posts and a crossbar. So you imagine like a giant gate in croquet. It's just two posts and a crossbar that's freestanding. Uh, it goes up... Up three meters and across two meters. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and they have to score from their side. Yeah, so you have to score. So, so if you miss, the other team is immediately in really good scoring position. Oh, I'm, I'm loving this. Yeah, this is great. So is it? does it still go on? Sure. Yeah, there's a New York City league that plays every Wednesday in Brooklyn uh, on the waterfront. And it still is Are being you- played in hundreds of summer camps and youth groups and uh, areas around the world. Uh, we had... Um, like I said, a couple World Cups. One was in Amsterdam. One was in England. 
That's so uh, cool. Are you involved with any of this? I kind of bowed out of managing it in 2012, but uh, I came back to play for Team US, and because uh, <laughs> why wouldn't you? Right. right. <laughs> and so, uh, so I helped organize the World Cup, in, which was hosted by Amsterdam. We lost that one uh, to the British, and so then they hosted the uh, 2018 one. And because all of the New Yorkers were so furious at being defeated by the British, we brought out a really strong team in 2018, and we creamed everybody. And I was the leading scorer in the World Cup team for the winning World Cup team. So I can die happy uh, and hang my hat on all of my athletic ambitions because I'm the best in the world at something, even if I had to make it up myself. Were, were people lining up for your autograph as like the inventor of the sport? I got I got one time I was recognized on the street because there was a like weird things in New York uh, on the back of taxi cabs for about uh, five months, and there was this little video footage of like this guy made up a sport, and like, somebody stopped me on the streets of New York, like I saw your face on the back of a taxi cab, and that was that was as famous as I ever got. Oh my God, hey, that is fantastic. better than most. That's I, but really hey, you know, cool. we won a bunch of awards. That's actually That's the reason I'm in Pittsburgh. Uh, oh, why? Uh, we yeah. Pittsburgh was hosting Circle Rules Football at their uh, in New Games Festival, and we came out and ran a clinic, and we came back the following year, and uh, and that's how I got into City of Play, and my whole kind of game invention career took off because of Circle Rules Football. Tell us what is City of Play. So yeah, that's kind of a couple chapters later. Um, I was doing. Right, oh, okay. Well, Rose. then don't, don't, don't jump there. My whole bio, but I mean, no, I, I was doing this, Circle Rules Football, and then stuff. I was also doing uh, like festival management outdoors and okay. dance festivals and theater festivals. Doing a lot of teaching the supplied theater, continuing to audition for commercial theater whenever it came up. Um, and I was promoting Circle Rules football as a job, kind of, that wasn't really paying me. But, hey, I was, you know, 20-something yeah. in New York, and I could eat rice and beans and work at a That's restaurant right. and, you know, <laughs> get the odd theater job and continue managing this international growing sport uh, in my spare time. And God, I can't tell you how much I love this. The problem is I didn't have any, and I still don't have any business savvy, because I wanted to make something that was for free to play you know all you needed was a yoga ball and some backpacks because i thought what's the most popular sport in the world it's soccer why is it the most popular because you can play a competitive game with garbage you can make a ball out of trash bags you can make goals out of rocks or backpacks and you can play a multi-generational competitive casual whatever game wherever you are with with nothing but what's around you and it's true. People worldwide, were to tell it's me, so oh, popular. Introduce all these props, introduce all these things. Wouldn't it be cool mm-hmm. if there were flashing lights? And I was like, no, this is going to be cheap and dirty. Anybody that's got yeah. a yoga ball can throw a Circle Rules game together. But the problem is, I didn't have any merchandise that people could buy from me. So oh, I didn't put like a merch. special Circle Rules starter kit in shops for people to buy. I didn't have any business savvy of how am I going to like make money off of this? I just gave out the rule book to people for free because I thought, well, the sport will grow and people will want to play and they'll want to play the official way. And so they'll just reach out to me and then eventually we'll host tournaments and leagues and all of that happened, but it happened without any revenue. Darn, um, darn. Well, you're an artist. I mean, that's yeah, the truth. That's artists are not and known I, for I, being businessmen. It took me a while. I felt bad about it, but eventually I was like, you know, that is like, I, not everybody needs to know how to um, 
turn in, you know, uh, a feeling into money. Uh, well, you know, Naismith never made a dime on basketball. Really? I, well, I didn't know that, but you know, Wait, it's, who's that? It's not a who's big, that? It's the not really about that. It's about the joy of yeah. watching people play. Together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you're in good company. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, so that was the Sagwa Circle was football. It grew and it was wonderful. Um, it still is wonderful. I'm still maybe after the pandemic really settles down and and international travel becomes less risky for teams on a dime. Um, then we'll put together. Then we'll call the world out together to play another World Cup in New York City and see who. Yeah. Shows. Oh, I hope so. That's That'd be awesome. great. Yeah. So tell us about City of Play. No, 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 oh, wait, no. Why? You keep jumping in. I do. I want to know City of Play. Stop. <laughs> All right, go ahead. He's an interesting guy. He's very you interesting. Got to follow the chronology. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So, so Circle Rules. I was doing that, and I was also got involved. The other thing that I got involved with right after college was the Metui River Theater Company. That was. Um, I've been with them since 2008, and this is uh, this is the kind of theater that I was really hoping to do when I got into college. This was it's barefoot outdoor amphitheater <laughs> in Vermont and upstate New York oh, wow. and Western Massachusetts. We all live in a farmhouse together, and we tell international mythology with masks and puppets made out of hand-hewn saplings dyed by you know dyed cotton and all of that, and and we sing and and it's like this beautiful talented cast that gets put together every year and we go out with this company two brilliant directors ralph lee and casey compton um have been doing this for 47 years wow and taking talented new york actors who are willing to get dirty outside and do shows for for farm kids and uh in rural new york that's so cool you know lakeside or in a library garden or um, oh and then passing the hat around afterwards for donation. I mean, it's the most like, and we cook for each other because we're friends with the farmers nearby. And it's this holistic, like ideal version of what work yeah. could be when you get all of the artists and all of the goodwill and all of the community spirit together to, you know, share stories, share obscure stories from around the world so that everybody has oh, a brighter imagination. So that that's was, awesome. and that's something I've been doing since 2008. Every summer I've been available. So you still do that? Yeah, I'm going back uh, in July uh, for two weeks to do a one night show. In, is it um, just in Vermont or is it throughout <laughs> the East Coast? Excuse me. Um, no, the, uh, the theater company is technically based in New York City, but Ralph and Casey have a farmhouse in Salem, New York, which is right next to the Vermont border. Uh-huh. And we all go up there for at least six weeks. You know, typically the tour was six weeks in the summer. You go up there, you finish building and rehearsing outdoors in the countryside, and then you all pack the show into a truck and into a couple Subarus, and we just caravan out to different venues within a three-hour drive from the house, and we come back each night. And uh, it's just really a beautiful way of. Uh, sharing theater and sharing. Stories. Yeah, that's a that's great cool. experience. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and it's athletic and it's it's tiring and demanding. It's outdoors in the summer, so uh, it's that's it's everything that I like about sports as well. Um, so I was doing that, and I was doing circle rules, and I was also in you know my odd other jobs in New York were occasionally doing commercial theater and occasionally doing production management for outdoor things like farmers markets or dance festivals and things like that, and teaching. Uh, Eventually, I got uh, hired. A little plumbing on the side. 
Yeah, right. I mean, it's New York. You've got to make a living by doing as many things. So as you true. Can and yeah. Try to get successful enough to live a good yep. life. Uh, yep. But um, speaking of success, I had uh, a really great opportunity in 2012. I was cast in the national tour of Warhorse as a puppet, puppeteer. Oh my gosh! Um, oh, wow. My daughter just read that book. Uh, so, so for Warhorse, those of you yeah. who don't know, Warhorse is a book by Michael Morpurgo about. Uh, World War One, and the story follows uh, a horse, like a, a hunter horse who's kind of worked into the farm side and, and then drafted into the war. Uh, and it's about the young boy who's 14 years old who uh, r- runs off into World War One to try to g- get his horse back. Uh, and it's about his yeah. naivete, and it's about the horse's naivete, and it's about this kind of, it's a war story told from the perspective of two relatively innocent people. The book is actually written from the horse's perspective, which makes it unique. So yeah, it's really good. She uh, loved it. Sometime in the two thousands, uh, the Royal, the National Theatre of Great Britain, did a stage production of War Horse, which involves these wonderful puppets made by a South African puppetry company called Handspring Puppet Company, and they made these life-size horses, which are puppeteered by three people at once. One plays the head, the heart, and the hind, and they're all made out of cane and. Uh, and metal. It's all mechanical, no electronics. Uh, and and they can be ridden, and they can run around and gallop. And so we were, are they in the costume? or the, uh, They are the underneath and outside. The puppeteers are visible, but the horse is uh, moves so uh, gracefully and anatomically like a horse that as you're watching it, the puppeteers start to fade away, and you're really just watching. Oh, that's wild! Oh, it's I a want beautiful, to see that. That's incredible. The puppets, especially, are this really um, wonderful work of art. And I got to yeah. be a puppeteer uh, with that show for two years, from 2012 to 2014. I traveled to oh 70 God. cities in North America and eventually to Tokyo, playing on all the biggest stages. And I was the rear end of the horse, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that was my like the you know, my two greatest accomplishments in life are you know winning the world championship of my own game and being a well paid horse's ass on uh, you, know, you know world tour. Or so it, when your wife calls you a horse's ass, that's a compliment. Uh-huh. Well, she was one too. That's where we met. We both missed no. up here in horse as well. Uh, oh, so we cute. met, we traveled around together, and then eventually I uh, finished with War Horse, and I was ready to leave New York City. And I'd remembered uh, being fond of Pittsburgh um, after having come here uh, to do a Circle Rules football clinic. And so I met with a guy who was running the festival, a guy named Adam Nelson here in Pittsburgh, and he pitched the city to me. It's got a great low cost of living, very kind of cosmopolitan feel, but it is a, a, a small town in other ways, and... Uh, geographically it's very close to many big hubs and it just seemed like there was a great amount of opportunity here so i moved here and my hope was to grow circle rules football and also help grow city of play which was the organization that had hosted circle rules football here in pittsburgh Uh Uh, was it a pre-existing organization yeah it was grown out of a club at pitt called obscure games pitt (laughs) university of pittsburgh Um, Uh and adam nelson had made a, a student club called Obscure Games, and his idea was that when people play games that they haven't played before, they can't bring their ego and reputation to the field. They just have to bring themselves to the field and learn. And and so, in some way, everybody is on a more level playing field when we're all learning a new game together. And he liked that special kind of camaraderie that was uh, 
created by playing new games. And so every week or every other week, they would meet and play these obscure games, one of which was Circle Rules Football. Uh, and so that's how I ended up coming out to Pittsburgh. And I got involved at the moment. The, at that time, the organization had renamed itself to City of Play. And we were looking into how does play function for adults and why? Yeah. how does it uh, get them more active in their communities or better in their relationships or, you know, what, what function does play serve for adults? And so City of Play was a study of that on a municipal scale. We were trying to inject ourselves into as many public places in Pittsburgh and host new unheard of games before. We would also do game original game design for clients, and we were also oh, doing board wow. game nights for the public, and we were trying to just play with adults as much as That's possible. That's wild. That what did you play before? What did you learn from that? That's really interesting. I, so, I, I mean, you've got some sociology. Like graduate school. I mean, I never got yeah. to graduate school, but the amount that I had to study about the psychology of play, yeah. the neurology of play, and the sociology of play and the architecture of play and how it imparts itself on a civic environment you know we used to say that uh, or adam used to say that um oh gosh what's the word is like their games are sticky or they they're they they help you um he had a really elegant way of saying it which i'm not recalling right now but they help you remember a place if you have an association mm -hmm. yeah. with a place that's maybe not so good or generic. If you play something new in that place, whether it's a city block or a town square, or you just remember, you have this um, this high-paced uh, activity that happened when you were kind of mentally and physically yeah. aroused playing yeah. this game, and then and it maps onto the environment because you have to learn your playing field so dynamically and so every time you return to that city square or that hillside you have this dynamic understanding of it which is deeper than you do typically when you're walking around or just traveling around in absolutely so That's we thought really of this cool. as a way to bring vibrancy to places that had lost their pizzazz you know in the city public parks and riverfronts and things like that where did it work I think so. I mean, people have a lot of fond memories of the games that City of Play hosted. And again, because both of us were, I think, too creative and neither of us had enough business savvy, the company expanded. We made hundreds of games, but then we wanted to go in so many different sectors because play is so vast. Yeah. You yeah. start when you start getting into it. When one person wanted to do more educational programming for mm. students. One person wanted to do more business development and team building kind of things for so that businesses could work mm -hmm. more efficiently by integrating play into their practices. And one person, myself, wanted to get more involved in the public programming and the carnivals and the civic seasonal celebrations. And, and so we tried to do too many things at once. And eventually uh, it was just me running the company, people that Adam had spun off trying to go in a little business facing direction. And, uh, another person, another colleague had spun off going into a more educational direction. And I was there kind of gathering all of these people together to do one civic ceremony. And then they'd all leave and it'd be me writing grants by myself. But, you know, yeah, that's hard. I'm tired of doing that. I don't um, blame you. So in 2019, we did this wonderful, uh, game, which was a carnival called the Firelit Carnival in the oldest park in Pittsburgh. It was called the Pittsburgh Firewalk. 
and we had sculptural cauldrons made by metal artists from around Ooh. the region and they all were built uh to kind of um represent Pittsburgh's relationship to fire and we had storytellers and dancers and musicians placed around all of them and then we had a big firelit night market and we had all of our games out there and stuff like that but the idea was to get people walking through the night by firelight uh in the oldest park in Pittsburgh oh, wow um with masked guides and it was like trying to do a kind of old world carnival it was based largely on uh, Providence, Rhode Island's Water Fire public art uh, um, program, which is one of the most successful civic revitalization efforts by an artist, uh, That's in, in, which continues to grow. So I did that, and I was absolutely exhausted because I don't know how to make money. I had only raised the bare <laughs> minimum to, uh, to get the crew together who are you know, using all of my goodwill and all oh of my, my, my hair out. And... Yeah. Uh, and it was beautiful, and it was uh, somewhat uh, tragic, and I was, it was I was so full of feelings and gratitude and this and that that I just stopped, and I shut down City of Play after that. And thankfully, oh, wow. that was three months before the pandemic, and everybody else had to shut down. So yeah, I was ahead of the uh, kind of looking for alternative ways to, uh, you know, get engaged with my with my city. You know, it's really interesting about play and civic activity and civic involvement. I used to be on the Seattle City Council, and we would hold neighborhood meetings to try to get people involved. They were boring, right? Like, just mm -hmm. come, invent. And as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, God, what if we had put on some of these events? Yeah. Like, instead, what if we had done a play from different with different neighborhoods or some of these activities? Like, that's such a different reason for people to get out of their homes and get to know their neighbors and get more invested in a city or in their neighborhood. I mean, that's one of the premises of the app, right? If you, I will. It's getting people to do things together. Yeah. It's very different than getting people to talk. You know, or sit yeah. in a room yeah, or read. Absolutely. And it takes doing a lot a of, especially other. in these uh, recent years, getting people to meet strangers and interact yeah. Yeah. and challenge themselves um, is uh, harder than it's ever been, I think. So then, is that when you joined Friends of the Riverfront? Well, uh, basically, I closed City of Play down and uh, then I. Um, kind of wondered what I would do. Uh, very quickly, I got uh, hired as an adjunct professor at Point Park University to teach in their drama cool. department. Nice. Um, and I started doing that. Uh, and I taught six courses over three semesters. All of them were impacted heavily by COVID. Oh, um, I bet. And, you had to do it all uh, remote? How do you do that? How do you do that remote? Some were hybrid. Some were started out in person and then were totally remote. All were mass. I mean, it was it was a lot of challenges. And then even as we were getting out of the pandemic, the fatigue of of being in remote school for so long had taken such a toll on myself and on the students that it was very difficult to to work at the same standard that I had prior to the pandemic. So yeah. I stopped working with Point Park. I um, was selling food at the farmer's market for a while and wondering when the heck I was going to get one of these green jobs. I really wanted to get hired. You know, in, the, in the States, everybody's talking, uh, you know, the, I guess the left is talking about kind of adding all of these jobs in the green economy. Right. And, right. Um, 
but they're so vague, the notion of what are the green <laughs> economies. And I thought, well, I've got all these interesting skills from public programming, and I like working in public parks. I wonder if I can get one of these green jobs. And I wonder what that's going to be. So I just started looking for jobs in the environmental sector. And um, at the onset of the pandemic, I wanted to still feel essential and get together with people outdoors mm -hmm. in a safe way. And so I started uh, what I called a litter brigade. Once a week, we would meet um, and in the evening, on a Monday evening, at a local kind of overlook in our neighborhood. And we'd just walk together. I'd play music and we'd pick up litter and we'd kind of huh. have fun and try to make it, I you know, my that. goal was to try to make picking up litter into a little parade. And this uh, is, it never really became a big parade, but it was like walking right. down the street and collecting trash as a way of getting to know each other and just checking up on neighbors who were so isolated at the time. And this is during the pandemic. This so the this is 2020. The, the notion was that uh, COVID was transmissible on all surfaces that we touched. Right. So to me, it seemed like litter was an obvious contaminant and because municipal services had been reduced because of call-offs for being sick or rotated schedules uh, the department of public works was no longer doing uh special litter collections oh. so i needed to bring all the litter out there back to my home or like oh or divided among you know the people in the brigade so that we could get litter off the streets because there wasn't a municipal capacity to mm. do that so I felt right. like that was essential, even though it wasn't technically a branded as an essential job. Was this as part of uh, Friends of the Riverfront? No, this was, was just on my own. Just, I'm just also you. I'm on my local civic council, uh, not so, the city council, but my neighborhood council. I'm and that's when you got the word out about it? ways to kind of uh, address neighborhood issues. And this to me seemed like uh, a way of, you know, gamifying. I wasn't yeah. really gamifying at the time, but I was always interested in how can I have playful interesting new experiences for groups and how, that's a great how did idea. you get people to know about it and to join you how did you get the word out well i posted it on our you know our website and on our um we have a little bulletin board by that overlook i said mondays at 5 p.m bring your own mask and gloves i'll have everything else and i had grabbers and bags and stuff and um people showed up and we went out collecting and that happened regularly enough that uh i eventually found out that allegheny cleanways was hiring Allegheny Cleanways mm -hmm. is uh, the other organization I work for with Friends of the Riverfront. I have the right. same job yeah. for both of those organizations, which is the Community Outreach Specialist. That's my title. Ah, and, perfect for you. Uh, they, uh, their mission, Allegheny Cleanways' mission, is to eliminate litter and illegal dumping in Allegheny County. And so they were hiring for a dump buster. Somebody to just go out there and tackle illegal dumps sites. But when they learned more oh. about my background they thought maybe this guy would be better for community engagement and so they brought friends at the riverfront into the conversation and that's how i got brought on to uh friends of the riverfront the goal was to distribute individual litter cleanup kits to people all around the county and to keep people engaged in litter cleanup even wow. if they weren't allowed to meet in groups oh that's uh, cool that's really so basically yeah. something you started doing on your own turned into a job and you had to scale it. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and once I had, so friends of the Riverfront had received a grant to create, uh, to distribute litter cleanup kits during COVID. And the process of that is finding uh, cafes or delis that are getting rid of five gallon buckets 
and salvaging them before they hit the landfill, and then washing them out and rebranding them with Friends of the Riverfront Allegheny Cleanways and filling them with all the oh, stuff you need wow. to collect litter. And then so I started this kind of litter collectors club. Everybody who wanted a cleanup kit, uh, I would send them some emails and stay in touch with them. And then there was this charge. How can we distribute more and more of these kits? How can yeah. we distribute these kits to corporate groups? How can we distribute them to neighbors? And that's where the notion of the litter league began. It was uh, a way I of distributing say, buckets and cleanup kits, buckets, a group yeah. at a time. One and then of the keeping all time great names them. like that, that branding, that name is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, the Litter League? The Litter yeah, it's League. Fantastic. It's it so is. perfect. It's great. Well, Abs- uh, thanks. I, You know, I, I can't believe that I'm the one who came up with it, but uh, maybe I am. And uh, in any case, uh, <laughs> you are. I, I hope it grows uh, throughout the country. We've already had a lot of interest in other counties and things saying, hey, this is something that I'd like to do in my oh, neighborhood. Oh, wow. So, you know, my notion is still, hey, start your Litter League, you know, and we'll start playing, competing against each other some year. Oh, that's so cool. Are you still able to get the restaurants or the, the places to give you guys the buckets or have you had to buy buckets? Uh, no, now we've got a good uh, kind of stream of buckets because a lot of these restaurants, you know, they end up, you know, they go through all these jar buckets of pickles yeah. each week and yeah. they don't want to throw them away. They recognize that these things are useful for a thousand years, potentially, you know, or at least a decade, you know, of, of use. No, I of love that. Buckets. So and they who- sell for $5 a pop at a hardware store. Yep. So yeah. uh, somebody's got to want them. And thankfully we were able to intercept a few uh, places before they made it to the landfill. Well, for for people who don't know, uh, can you tell them what the Litter League is? Sure. The Litter League is an eight-week litter collection competition for neighborhoods and colleague teams uh, in Allegheny County, which is the county that surrounds Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Competitive garbage uh, pickup. Teams of 10 (laughs) are allowed to play, and uh, we put a rule book together and... And now we have a colleague division and a neighborhood division. And uh, and each week I reveal a new challenge. So it's not just about how much litter do you collect, but one challenge is uh, find a trash treasure. You know, what's the single most beautiful and valuable piece of litter you find? Write a poem about it. <laughs> or the next uh, challenge might be build a trash monster, you know, and bring it to life. Oh, that's good. Bringing back my puppetry background, you know, yeah. obviously people making the trash puppets. And, uh, so there's a challenge comes out each week. And, uh, and over, you know, over the course of the season, people are competing to collect the most litter. And then at the end of the season, we offer awards in four different categories. One and is what the are heavy yeah. lifters, one is the most engaged, one is the most artistic, and one is the best uh, record keepers, the people that do the best And that's the team of accountants. That's the hardest thing to get because, you know, litter comes from somewhere. And unless you can point to where it comes from, you're not yeah. going to be able to address the issue. So yeah. fine, you're collecting all this litter. But if you've got those accountants who are saying, I've got 47 Pepsi labels and I've got, you know, 135 things, boxes from Amazon, then we can start putting pressure on the producers oh, I'm, to uh, I'm reduce s- their... Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sensing another uh, feature request here for If You I Will, like maybe a, a GPS button and a type of litter category. And oh, break yeah, it down. That's, a, that's a big feature. <laughs> there is an app called Litterati, which purports to do that kind of thing. Uh, 
but it is a it is a task, you know, actually keeping track of everything that you're collecting because um, the temptation is to just get it out of the you know ground. Do you have? When they're doing the pickup, do they just weigh the amount or do you want them to categorize items? For the league purposes, we're just having them uh, weigh the amount and accompany it with a picture so that I okay. can verify the approximate weight. Um, and uh, it would be great to do trash audits. And that is part of the challenges. One of the challenges, for example, is it, uh, show in one in one image, the widest array of fully recyclable intact bottles. Oh, wow. Uh, and so we, last year we had somebody made uh, a, like a spiraling labyrinth out of all bottles that they'd collected. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, another person kind of laid out next to a, a you know pattern of bottles, the shape of their body, all different bottles. And so people oh get gosh. engaged and get creative. It's wonderful to see that kind of... Yeah, that's well, great. If you guys want to see, if the listeners want to see some of these, you can go to ifuiwill.com and it's uh, just look at the uh, the literally challenges and the pictures are there. Um, I think this year you pointed this out to me, but my, my favorite has been those that are writing Civil War letters as their check-ins. Those guys are hilarious. Yeah, yeah. We have a one player that, you know, I uh, I happen to know him and I know that he's got a very creative family and they want to, you know, one of his daughters... Uh, may have be writing this or he may be writing it himself. Um, but I know that they're getting their whole family involved and they're, they're phrasing each of their uh, submissions as uh, kind of civil war era uh, letter of home <laughs> as I'm off love- in the distance collecting <laughs> rubbish from. The, you know. That's so fun. They are really it's beautiful. I think it's just beautiful. I think it's great. It's, it's, it's My really gosh, great. you're gamifying and making it fun to pick up litter and make our communities better. I love it. <laughs> There's a little bit of competition though. I too, I thought people would kind of take the competition as kind of just a guideline or an opportunity, but they're, they're competitive. Like oh, for sure. You. And, you know, it's interesting. You get people playing in a lot of different ways. But um, I saw last year as I was starting to kind of share the numbers back to the players uh, that as the numbers increased, the players started to each week got exponentially more um <laughs> competitive because people started seeing their competitors numbers rise and it's amazing how just a little grid of numbers can motivate people to get that extra hundred pounds of trash this week totally Um, i love the videos last year collecting nearly thirty thousand pounds of trash of litter wow this year we're easily on track to break that when just one week we've collected sixty two hundred pounds six thousand two hundred pounds of total litter now, so, if you're wondering, people, there are a lot of tires. Left. There are yeah. a lot of tires in there. A lot, tires. a lot of tires, yeah. It's amazing. That's tires, right. they clean up the tires and more tires come back. I don't know where <laughs> these tires are coming from. but Tires are one of the most challenging things to get rid of. Um, really? Uh, Can you recycle them? Not uh, not everybody will take them. There are very few, um, huh. very few organizations which will collect uh, tires. And they're also challenging to store because they um they retain water if you have a tire on its side oh, you can yeah. imagine that little yes. well in mosquitoes. there often holds water and so a lot of mm-hmm. mosquitoes or vermin or rot can kind of uh start happening in a tire and it's very difficult to get the water out of there so it's a big issue um and we're tackling it uh one week at a time 
one challenge at a time. Well, it's great. It's a really fun challenge. I really enjoy seeing the pictures and what people are doing. I want it to go nationwide. Yeah, for sure. I want to see Seattle compete with Pittsburgh. Yeah, I do too. I, you know, what I was, we had, we were fortunate to get some press from the Wall Street Journal last year, and I was brought to my attention that in Ireland, for decades, there has been a competition called the Tidy Towns Competition, and it's actually a very uh, prestigious honor, I think, to to win the Tidy Town Award each year, uh, and it it is a real competition with real awards, and you know, if you introduce more challenges and things like that, I think. I've already shown that people can have a lot of fun and it's satisfying afterwards. Unlike most sports, you know, something does change when the game is over in the real world. It's not, uh, you know, you've, you've actually uh, helped your ecosystem. Well, I just want to give a call out to the leaders on the leaderboard right now. Looking at this, you have Indomat 239 and they've got 2,000 pounds collected and uh, they're the Civil War people. Really funny. Ah. And then uh, that's followed by ph avengers with 1235 so shout out to, to those two teams They're nice really job yeah. oh come on ph avengers <laughs> you can do it crush indomat crush the civil war people yeah the penn hills avengers <laughs> were the uh uh they won one of the awards last year they won for most enthusiastic team so it's just <laughs> great to see people coming back to it with new attitudes and if you i will has really been helping me stay in touch with the with the players, and I think it's really been motivating them to uh, compete against one another because the numbers are far higher after one week than they were the first year. Oh, that's great! And they get to see what other people yeah, are picking up, like it. Yeah, yep. they get to see, they get to read, and they get see to the, be on everybody. Each at, they got to all be on the same journey together, even though they're not on the same field. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll cut this, Greg, but they can set the alerts to see if another team checks in if they want, and then they'll get a, an update that'll tell them, Hey, this team checked in. So if they want to check and see um, cool. real time when it comes in. Um, so one question we ask everybody, Greg, is there's a lot of passion around nonprofits and a lot of um, really interesting people. Should I take this up? No, just talk into it. Oh, there we go. Any funny stories or odd things that have happened to you out in the field while you're working with all these people? What's the strangest thing that's happened to you? Oh, boy. I mean, uh, I I don't have the, uh, the wackiest stories yet. I really hope we do. I mean, I, I'm still learning so much on the job. Everything seems kind of wild. The amount of litter that gets collected... Uh, one team decided to uh, uh, make their trash monster. Last year, we were doing a Litter League competition, and I said, "Bring a make a trash monster and come to life." And one team found an uh, animal skull, like a or it was like some big hip hip bone. <laughs> and then they got all these tubes together, and then rather than making the monster into a puppet, they kind of wore the skull like a mask, and they had these tubular arms. And it was like this really gruesome image that uh, somebody showed me. And I thought, what am I asking people to do <laughs> right now? Uh, <laughs> is this, uh, yeah, what a, what a cult, you know, demon am I raising? right now by uh, uh, asking people to do these challenges oh that's all, that's fantastic though that takes the whole gar you know litter pickup to a whole new level of creativity i love that 
yeah. Well, you know, once people start getting dirty, they think, well, why not? Why you know, not? Okay, let's, Go for let's it. dive all the way in. <laughs> That's when the litter leak spawned a new movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be his next day. He's going to, as a screenwriter, That's he's right. going to create a new movie around that monster. All right. So what's next, Greg? What, what do you envision... Where do you envision taking this? Also, what do you envision for Friends of the Riverfront or, for, or Allegheny County? I'll tell you the thing that I'm most excited about for Friends of the Riverfront right now is that um, our uh, our mission is to uh, build out this riverfront trail and connect people to the riverfront in, in a meaningful way, so that it really feels like part of our a part of our city that we need to take care of because it is the you know, it's life. The water, the fresh water is life. Yeah. It's what's brought people to this region for thousands of years. Yeah. And I've just started some conversations with the First Nations Council, um, the Council of the Three Rivers. And I'm hoping to bring back that firewalk that I did with City of Play and do fireside storytelling along the riverfronts with Native American storytellers. Wow. That's cool. Um, That's great. And of course, we would include some stewardship of the river with that. So riverfront cleanups and on land and on water could be accompanied with evening storytelling by the fire at distinct little amphitheaters along the, the river. Um, that to get a program like that happening and not just happening once, but being a practice that the city manages to keep for years, I think could make a real difference. Well, if anybody can do it, Greg, yep. I mean, you're a guy who gets stuff done. We believe in you. And when you do, not if, let us know because we'll be the first ones there. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that idea. Well, thanks it's, so much. You Despite have a the Pittsburgh Steelers taking my Seahawks out of the Super Bowl, um, <laughs> I still want to visit. I appreciate hey. that. <laughs> yeah, you're a great salesperson for Pittsburgh. But you're in, you're so uh, – I love your combination of creativity with civic good. It's fantastic. It's really rare. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, it's just doing what makes me feel good and uh, keeps people smiling. Well, we really appreciate your time, Greg. Uh, your stories are inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, it's really cool when you meet people who don't just think up stuff, but actually do them yeah. and act on them and do them at scale. And you've done it over and over again. And it's always fun. So we've really appreciated uh, getting to know you and working with you on this project and what little we have. And um, it's just great, great having you on the yeah, podcast. Thanks so much. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. And thanks for your participation with our Litter League. Thanks, Greg. Bye. Bye.